Hi, I'm Danielle Bassan, and welcome back to another episode of Tiny Tots of Finally Odds. Each episode touches upon the miraculous journeys of each guest, from medical emergencies and personal crises to parenthood and entrepreneurship. These are the stories and testimonies of great might and metal, and I can't wait to share them with you. Christina Gagnon is a former premium survivor, weighing only one pound eight ounces at birth, and was given 40% chance of survival, born in 1986. She's someone who's defied the odds throughout her life, including lung collapse 44 times and many diseases. But against all odds, here she is today. Christina's story has been featured in a range of podcast networks and online interviews. I hope you all just be inspired just so much as I am. Hi, Christina. How are you? I'm good, Danielle. How are you? Good to hear. I'm great, thank you. I'm so honoured to have you on here today. Your story is such an inspirational one. It definitely needs to be shared. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me on your show. My absolute pleasure. So much to dive into your journey today, but I want to begin with who you are, Christina, and tell our audience a little bit about yourself. I am a former macro creamy survivor and... I was born on October 1986, one pound, eight ounces, 25 weeks from placenta abruptio. And I also was a twin and my mom lost my twin at 11 weeks. And she didn't know that I was a twin. I was born on October 30th. They immediately rushed me into the NICU. My mother had a emergency C-section. And she was under anesthesia at the time, and she couldn't even hold me. My parents didn't even know what NICU was. They were very confused. They hadn't even heard of one. They didn't even know it was in the hospital. So immediately I was worked on. And I had a slew of things right then and there. I have jaundice, and I had a necrotizing intracolitis, which is a intestinal disease. I had that three times. And... PDA ligation, which is a lung disease, which is where full-term babies, they had something called surfactant, and I didn't have enough. They had to create surfactant for me in order to breathe. I had to have surgery for that at two weeks old. And then I also had collapsed lungs 44 times. I had an eye disease called ROP, which stands for retinopathy of prematurity. And it can lead to retinal detachment, which is blindness. I have this doctor that kept messing everything up. He kept messing up the stages of the disease. I wear eyeglasses now and I can see fine. So there was a lot of medical things that I went through as a infant. And I also had gangrene. I had a keloid in my right anterior thigh. And there was this IV that was put there for some reason. And it got infected and then infiltrated. And then a blood clot traveled around my body. And it settled in my left foot. And I lost all of my left toes to gangrene, which left me physically handicapped. I'm able to walk, but I walk slowly. And I can run and jump and swim perfectly fine. But I just do everything slowly and I count walk long distances because my left foot it can get callous a lot very easily or blisters so I have to take it easy and I have a wheelchair as well it's a little tough but I just take it day after day 
I'm just wow, like just just <laughs> taken aback hearing this. And you mentioned quite a lot in there. Yeah. So I just want to just unravel different parts. Absolutely. Go ahead. Okay. I understand you had a range of diseases which you overcame. You had collapsed lungs 44 times, ROP, and so much more. You lost all your toes and your left foot, but yet you're still here. How did you get through those tough moments? I remember you said you had a childhood that just wasn't the best for you because every time you would go back and forth to hospitals. What was that like for you? And what was the turning point where you said, you know what, in spite of my situation, I'm going to not let it get the better of me. Honestly, I knew I was different, but that wasn't until I was like seven or eight. My mom told me about everything and it was tough. And until everything kind of all sunk in. Then I would go to Shriners for my foot, for a foot brace. I also would go to Shriners as well during the same day to get checkups on my scar. And this would be in, in my annual visit. Just to make sure everything is okay. And the, these would be tiring visits for the day to make sure everything was all right. And everything was always fine. And then I would get my foot brace and that would help me walk in sneakers because I would wear two different dress shoes in the same shoe. One shoe is bigger than the others, which is my right shoe and my left shoe. It's smaller than the right. So I would have to buy two different pairs. It would be double pairs, so I would have to pay extra. I also would get bullied by older kids, stared at, pointed at. And then it would lead me to be very self-conscious and embarrassed. And sometimes I put my messenger bag over my scar because I would be humiliated. But as I grew up, I went to a school up through middle through high school with kids with mild learning disabilities who had like autism and ADHD and ADD. And they also had some braces and all that. And they understood me for who I was. They understood about my foot and my scar. And I finally felt accepted. And when I was there, I told my story. And I was crying out of embarrassment because they were all looking up at me. And one kid got up and he hugged me. It's, oh my God, I know, I get it. I understand. And then I got a group hug from everybody else saying, we understand you. And I just, I loved that. And I still remember that. That's love right there. To go to a place and then also to a hospital as well where kids who, who have braces and all sorts of things like that, and they understand you as well. Wow, I'm just so in awe about your journey, and especially the turning point for when that kid hugged you. It just took one hug to make you feel like, oh my gosh, somebody gets it. And then from there, all the kids embraced you. And that's when you thought, hang on a minute, I can embrace who I am. There's nothing wrong with me. Mm -hmm. I can embrace my journey as it is. And I'm not wanting to shy away from your story. It's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah. I used to feel the same growing up. And a lot of my friends and family weren't preemies. And so I felt like I wanted to shy away from my story because I felt like I was different in some ways. But over time, I learned to embrace my journey and just accept it for what it was and just shed a light on other stories like yourselves. 
Yeah. And I embrace it now more as an adult than I did as a kid. Adults don't care if they see your scar or your slip. They're just like, okay, whatever. But kids, they notice things more compared to adults. I actually have this woman. I was getting into work one day and um, I was in my handicap stall with, and uh, she said, are you actually handicapped? Excuse me. Yes. So actually, I felt obligated to show her my boy. It's yes, I'm handicapped. You want a written in a letter? Oh, dear. Maybe have an engraved. <laughs> I swear some people just. No, I'm just in it for the, for the better parking. That's what I'm in it for. No, of course I'm handicapped. And that's the beauty of finding the joy in the story, isn't it? Looking back and just finding a joy in it and having a laugh when we need to. <laughs> Oh, I know. Oh, goodness me. I want to know what support you had in place because 44 collapsed lungs, you lost all your toes. And if it wasn't this, it was that. So what support did you have in place to get you back on track? Okay. I had support from my family, but sometimes there were some family members that just couldn't take it. Some didn't visit me, but Sometimes they just didn't come and see me. My mom didn't even have a baby shower for me. Or my sister. It was terrible. Very. Not even balloons in her room because she was in a room with, I want to say, four other expectant mothers and they had all had their babies. And I was in the NICU. And they had the balloons and all that and flowers. My mom had a plant and my father. And sometimes they'd come and visit. She'd look outside the window. When my mom told me that, I thought that was the most depressing thing I've ever heard. I couldn't even be in that room with the other babies. With the full term, because I would probably die. But with, with support, I did get my parents. I did have my, Nick, my NICU staff. And then some family here and there. That's all. And my sister, who was four, she come and see me sometimes for 30 minutes and then she'd leave. That's the support. And when you're coming from 1986, where there wasn't such things as care packages or apps, there was nothing of that back then. There was just a brochure. And for therapy, there was a social worker with some parents and a little circle in some room. That's it. That was all that they had back then. Even when I asked my mom and dad about back then, they still come trouble. And it's been 37 years. They still get choked up. It never leaves you. But yet, you're here today. And you're here to share your story. And I've seen you share your stories for various podcast networks. Why is it important that you share your story to the world? Because here's the thing. There aren't any adult preemies out there that haven't really done it you're mostly here from the parent i want to help the parents and even the adult preemies as well because i don't want the adult preemies to be scared on the sidelines i was scared throughout my childhood and my adolescence and part of my being a young adult and I'm like okay enough I've done it I've always wanted to write in a book since 12 and I'm gonna do it I want to get my name out there because 
There's yeah. nothing out there. Nothing from adult preemies about what happened back then. Yeah. It's all from today. I agree with you. And that's where your memo comes in, isn't it? Tell us about your memo. I started like when I was, want to say, 32. Mm-hmm. And now I'm 37, so it's been taken around four or five years. I've written it, now I'm editing it. Wow. And yes. I want to finish it towards the end of March. So then hopefully I can finish the editing. Yes. I can finally look for a literary agent. Lovely, and you'll do that. And what message would you give to other people going through or living with diseases right now who feel hopeless or who want to shy away from their journey? Okay. Number one, that would be that there's always light at the end of the tunnel and to always persevere. And number two would always be that the parents have to be a dedicated source of unrelenting love and to always want your child because my parents wanted me. And I shouldn't say a lot, but a few parents out there that my parents saw around the NICU, they just left their kids and the NICU behind, they left their kid behind because they couldn't take it. Yeah. And it was just so sad to see. It was tragic. And then also the parents need to have patience and dedication and you to always fight for your baby and want your baby. And it takes a lot of time. Yeah. And to always speak with the doctors and talk with them and re- start reading your child's bio and take down notes while you're reading their file, because that's what my mom did. She read my file with my doctors and nurses. My mom still knows my medical background. She's like an encyclopedia still. My dad doesn't know it that much, but my mom knows it like that. And it's remarkable. (laughs) She knows her medical terminology really well. Bless her. Yeah. Mom to snow, right? <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. They do. <laughs> so what's next for Christina then? What's next for me? For the memoir, I'm still working on that. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to get my name out there. Yeah. Working on my social sites and all that. Just trying to update everything. Trying to write more. Going to school now. And connecting with people. I, I really enjoy networking a lot. That's fun. Mm-hmm. So what about you, the the life of Danielle? <laughs> of course, I got this podcast out, and I've actually got a memoir coming out towards the end of this year as well. Really? Yeah. How exciting is it? Oh, I can't wait to read it. We should swap it yes, out. Yes, we should. She's doing that. That would be cool. Definitely. So congrats. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. But a long time coming, but we're here. Yeah. I'm just so happy for what's to come for both of us. And it's been such a joy having you on here today, Christina. You are such a bright light. I want you to tell the audience where they can find you on your socials, please, so to keep up to date with your new memo coming out and other interviews that you do and just what's next for you. Okay, so I actually changed my name on Instagram. It is now Micro Creamy Warrior. That is on Instagram. And... On LinkedIn, I also have a link tree as well. You can find the link tree on my Instagram, on my bio. And um, you can find me on LinkedIn as well. And on, let's see here, on threads, I am also Micro Creamy Warrior. That's where you'll find a lot of my activity. 
and where I do my podcast stuff too. I have articles on my LinkedIn and other podcasts and interviews. So that's where you'll find me. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Christina. You are such a lovely person. You're very welcome. And you are too, Danielle. I've really enjoyed our chat. Likewise. Thanks again. You're very welcome. I hope you were inspired by today's podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode. And it was a pleasure to have you listening and, and tuning in. So I appreciate it and love you guys.